Welcome to the Essential Geopolitics podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. Today we're talking about COVID-19 and social unrest. Global security analyst Ben West is going to guide us. Ben, welcome. Hi, Emily. Thank you for having me. Ben, Stratfor analysis shows that the months of confinement due to the COVID crisis and the economic shockwaves as a result have opened up governments around the globe to more social unrest. Included in that is the Eurozone and the U.S. What is the historical context of the current wave of social unrest in the U.S.? So, yes, the the stress that the, the COVID-19 pandemic has placed on societies around the world um, has certainly, I think, made the environment more susceptible to the kind of protests we're seeing in the United States right now, uh, which I think you have to go back to the 1968 protests following the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to, to see a parallel here. Unfortunately, and, and maybe not surprising, that also was, was largely over, over race issues, many of which are still present in the, in the, the protest and in the unrest that's manifesting itself in the United States today. Admittedly, Ben, it's hard to compare what's going on now in the United States to anything that's taken place in the last several decades other than that. But why is the social unrest so intense and long-lived right now? So um, as, as we just discussed, the pent-up frustrations and, um, and confusion over, over the COVID-19 pandemic and the, the lockdowns and the um, disruptions that's caused over the past few months, I think, has created an environment that is ripe for unrest. On top of that, the, the whole history of, of racial inequality in the United States that has given rise to, to periods of social unrest throughout the United States. And then I, I think on top of all that, the spark of George Floyd's death on May 25th, the graphic video that was widely circulated uh, documenting the death, and then every night of protest since then has perpetuated more violence, you know, more videos that have been circulated. Those acts of violence perpetuate the, the protest and you, you get a vicious cycle going where, um, you know, one, one grievance begets multiple more grievances. Well, the president has threatened to uh, come down hard on protesters. And certainly we've seen quite a bit of more aggressive action against protesters. And then, of course, certainly against rioters and looters. But the president has also threatened to designate a group as a terror organization. Could you talk to me about that, uh, what it is, how that would work, and could it even placate any of this social unrest? So President Trump has threatened to designate uh, Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization. There are several challenges to this. First and foremost, there, there just isn't a real clear legal framework on what a domestic terrorist organization is or what measures can be taken against domestic terrorist organizations. And even if there were, even if more clear domestic terrorism laws were put into place, Antifa isn't really a group. It is, it's more of a movement or a campaign. There's no known leadership, hierarchy, membership structure, or funding. It is a more or less international grassroots campaign of, of individuals and, and small groups that oppose fascism as the as the name Antifa anti-fascist action as it alludes to so yeah designating it as a terrorist organization it's unclear what that would even achieve 
Um, there have been numerous arrests of individuals associated with Antifa and other groups with similar ideologies. You know, anything ranging from vandalism to disorderly conduct or, or, or the use of deadly weapons. So there are already laws in the book that give law enforcement the tools they need to to arrest people participating in violence. Um, you don't need the domestic terrorism law on top of that. Ben, you said Antifa is more of a movement than a group. We have seen reporting, of course, that some of the protests have been sparked by groups with a completely different political viewpoint than Antifa. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Typically, looking at back over the past five years or so of history of Antifa activities, most of the time they are they're active in, in counter demonstrations against more radical right-wing groups. We've seen on a number of occasions across the country, right-wing groups organize protest act, uh, protest actions and Antifa sympathizers show up in counter-demonstrations. And, and oftentimes that's descended into violent clashes between the two groups. For now, mostly what we're seeing is the kind of vandalism and property damage during the protest. I think something to watch for closely is if we start seeing right-wing groups and radical left-wing groups starting to clash between each other. Uh, This is something that law enforcement is striving to avoid for the past five years. And when you get into these chaotic environments like we've been seeing across the country, uh, I think the risk really increases of of two opposing radical ideologies causing violence amongst each other. So where does this go from here? Well, all the underlying grievances are still in place a large portion of the country is still under some sort of restriction um, due to COVID-19. We don't anticipate that going away anytime soon. Racial injustice in the United States is, is still an issue. Specifically, one of the, the grievances of the protesters. Additionally, another worrying trend that we've seen is shootings uh, targeting federal office buildings in Oakland and again in Las Vegas. It's unclear what the motive was behind those shootings. They did take place within the context of protests, but it's it's not clear who was carrying them out. Protests are, are, are one thing, and, and obviously they cause damage to physical property and, and in a few cases have killed or injured people. But when you see protest actions migrate from, from general protest to targeted attacks, that's a really concerning development. And we're going to be watching closely to see if there's any more signs of, of targeted attacks like what we saw in, in, in Oakland and Las Vegas, and also watching to see how, if and, and how they might have been connected to the protests. And then finally, it, it's it's an election year. You know, we're, we're still five months away from highly contentious presidential elections. Threatlands had already anticipated back in our, our 2020 annual forecast that this would be a year of heightened social unrest for the United States. Everything that we've seen so far has contributed to that. So we certainly are not out of the woods yet. I think there, there are still plenty of, of factors that could contribute to protests and social unrest in addition to the COVID-19 pandemic and the racial tensions that we've, we've seen over the past week. Thank you so much for that guidance, Ben. Thank you, Emily. You can read more of Ben West's analysis at Stratford Worldview and podcast listeners can get a special offer on a subscription. Go to stratford.com slash podcast offer that's stratfor.com slash podcast offer. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.